Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Olivia Lavour and Keith Clark, co-founders of the Death Hangout podcast. Their podcast is dedicated to the idea that facing death can invigorate life. Olivier truly believes that acknowledging our mortality and talking about death can help us to get in touch with our humanity and to grow. He also thinks that some of our current problems come from adopting a death denial behavior. Olivier is agnostic and is not interested in what happens after death, but rather how our mortality can support us to live better and align with our values. After 15 years working internationally in Ireland, France, the UK, and Dubai for a top S&P 500 company in HR, Olivier now lives in Nantes, France, and has created his own company, Convergence Leadership, where he works with evolving organizations wanting to develop fully their human potential. Olivier is an executive and team coach and facilitator, accredited by the International Coaching Federation since 2014 and certified by the top coaching school, the Coaches Training Institute and CRR Global. He's also a certified facilitator in two psychometric assessments, 360-degree leadership circle profile and DISC. Keith Clark, the co-founder and co-host on the Death Hangout podcast with Olivier, is also co-author of their book, Gen X Marks the Spot, Be the Hero in Your Own Story. Keith believes that a regular practice of contemplating death and the impermanence of all things can lead to us living a life more in line with our values. He believes that this can enable us to build the courage and resilience required to push through fears and bounce back quicker from setbacks, leading to a fuller and more meaningful life. Keith worked for 15 plus years in various senior management positions in Ireland and now runs his own business, providing a wide variety of training, coaching and consultancy to companies. He also provides personal coaching to people via his website, lifecoachx.com. Keith is life and business coach accredited by the Irish Life Coach Institute, and he's also fully qualified QQI trainer and holds a Prince2 qualification in project management. Olivier and Keith are currently co-writing the book, Death, the Best Life Coach Ever, and they hope to publish it in 2018. Welcome, Olivier and Keith. Hello, hello, Chair. I, I was very interested reading your bios that you both come from more of a corporate kind of world and now are um, doing what might be described as almost the opposite of that. <laughs> and that's, that's a story I want to hear more about. But um, 
I thought I should also do what you do on your website and and share with people a little bit of um, the bio of the third entity, I guess we'd say, <laughs> on your website, which would be death. I love that. That's uh, the first part of that. You say death's, uh, uh, death's been here forever, excellent at his job and multi-talented. Death now empowers individuals to listen to their true voice and express the fire that burns within to help them be fearlessly authentic and live a passionate life. That, that just really uh, t- uh, tickled me to read. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's, the, it's the best bio of the three as well, I think. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and so very true in my experience. It, it just resonated that, you know, somehow um, that terribly fearful experience of confronting death for me did liberate me ultimately so i i really appreciated that viewpoint <laughs> thanks for that um but i i figure most people are not just casually drawn to confront death um yeah. for me it was uh, it was uh, loving someone who was ill that made me uh confront it you know i loved loved her more than i hated death i guess <laughs> <laughs> but um what, what about the two of you? Could you share some about how you came to do such a, uh, in, in Western culture, such a radical thing? Well, you, you know, for me, first of all, I would like to say I'm French. So this weird accent <laughs> that your listeners may, may, may hear is, is, is a French accent. So I'm sorry about that. It's not your ears. If you don't understand me, it's just me. It's my, my weird accent. So... Uh, but <laughs> weird is the word I would have chosen. But <laughs> okay, some say it's, it's sexy as well, but I, I don't understand <laughs> that as well. Anyway, so f- for me, actually, I've, I've confronted that. For I've, I've I've realized that I'm mortal at age three. You know, at three years old, and I couldn't I couldn't understand that. I couldn't you know realize you know understand what's what's that. You know, I'm, I'm gonna die. So I asked my my parents. And they pushed away this subject. They say, oh, you're too young, you're too young. Don't think about that. But I always been very curious about this topic. But I had never had any answer, really. It, it seems like everybody were, was pushing this, this topic away. So it made me more curious, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So it, it, it has always been in me. But deep down, like Eden, it was like my Eden secret. You know, I was talking about death, not understanding it, being very scared about it, and still I didn't have any answer. And I've tried to push it away, you know, try to forget it like anybody does, I guess, you know. And still it was coming, coming, coming back. And I guess when I, when I had my 40s, I said, okay, that's my little midlife crisis. You know what I will do? <laughs> I will not buy a Ferrari or Porsche or get a divorce. I will talk about that because I truly, <laughs> I truly believe that. That is I, a very unusual midlife crisis. <laughs> I truly believe that there's something here, you know, just like, you know, we laugh, to, we laugh together during this time. There's something about our humanity, you know, there's something about being alive. And I truly believe if we don't recognize our mortality, we don't we cannot fully live. And that's that's my short answer, which is obviously very long. But but yeah, that's me. It's interesting because my um, youngest child was two and a half when my wife died. 
Mm. And um, we knew it, we knew she was sick for a long time, but we we had a way to know that it was going to happen soon. Mm. And so we talked about what death was with her. She was mm. perfectly fine with it. It was very matter of fact. Yeah. And so to me, the, the thing that stands out in your in what you're saying is it was not being able to get an answer that was yeah. disturbing, you know, um, yeah. that, that people wouldn't talk about it. Um, and that's what stayed with you in a sense. Yeah, and it's, it was very frustrating, to be honest, you know, very frustrating because it's, we all know that, you know, this game, this live game that we are playing right now, there's an end, you know, it, it will, whatever happen after, I, as I said, you know, in my bio, I'm agnostic and I'm not curious about what's happening after. We just know that it will end. So why don't we talk about that? You know, mm-hmm. why don't we just being curious about this? That's it. Just talk about that without anything else, you know, in mind. Anyway. And what about you, Keith? How did you uh, feel to be interested in doing a death hangout? To, to be honest, I, it wasn't something that I didn't have the same experience as Olivier. For me, the first time I really started thinking about it was a few years ago when, when I wrote the book you, you mentioned at the start of the show. It's, it's a short book, but as it was for Gen X and where we are in our life. And it was hard to write it without actually thinking about the the sort of the the impending end <laughs> which uh, when you get when you you get into your 40s it's something that suddenly becomes a bit more real so that's where i first go to it and then olivia approached me about his idea and working with him on that and just from our conversations it, it became more and more sort of fascinating as we went through it so that's that's what brought me into it really and so I would say that the two of you are somewhat unusual because, for instance, most of the guests I've had in four years of doing this show, um, there's been a dramatic event. Somebody dies. Somebody mm. gets very ill. Uh, um, you know, there's some violence that happens to the person. You know, there's some some discrete event that catapults people into a consideration. And for mm. the two of you, that's not quite the case. It just became uh, kind of internally uh, momentous. It sounds like, and and kind of um, called called you on yeah. s- on some level. There's something like that. I'm not saying that I didn't have like. A- I was scared when I was when I was a child, obviously, because you don't understand there's this unknown thing happening to you. So it's is it traumatic? I don't believe it was traumatic for me, but really I was was scared about death. But obviously, if you if you don't talk about it, suddenly all this fear that you have it it gets in and 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 kind of bubbles. And uh, yeah, so there was no no trauma. But there was lots of curiosity, lots of curiosity about that, you know. And it mm-hmm. seems like this, this taboo subject, you know. It's just like, mm, uh, yes. why can't we talk about that? You know, why can't we talk about this thing like normal people? And uh, I did a podcast uh, before the Death Hangout, which was called the Raw Voices Podcast. And uh, we had uh, John Underwood, who was the founder of the Death Cafe. Oh, uh, he was a he was a wonderful person. I had some contact absolutely. with him also. Yeah, and unfortunately he died, as as you know. But yes, I, I had the pleasure to discuss with him, and I found his approach so intriguing. Like 
Yeah, just just let's discuss without any agenda. Just just talk about that without without anything. And it was it made me very curious. And it's almost like the same approach that we would like to have. We're, on our show, we have anyone really. We can have book critics. We can have comedians. We can have obviously we have people uh, working in in the deaf uh, domain, I guess. But anybody can anybody can be on our show, really. Yeah. Yes. Well, the. You know, it's it's interesting to me because uh, so my my wife was ill when I guess she was diagnosed when I was 32. So mm-hmm. we were in a relatively young. She died when I was 42. Okay. And it was not. Uh, we we kind of broke open our our personal community, who hadn't had much experience hadn't you know nobody was talking but we needed to talk so (laughs) they had to talk with us you know and and I'm I've noticed um several guests we have in common you're you're in a younger age range and so Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I uh, if you want to is there something going on with with people in your generation that it's more talkable do you mm. think, or is it just that I'm finding those people because you know, uh, because I'm looking, you know, the the rare people that are talking. Do you find it's a it's a conversation you can have with, you know, people in your community in general? Uh, Keith, what do you think? I think that in terms of like that, at a generation, our age range, I definitely think it has an impact. I mean. Uh, it was like it was interesting when you said about the the catalyst. I think just about a year and a half before I, I wrote the book, I had an eighteen month period where my marriage ended, my dad died, and I got laid off from my job. So the the whole the, the whole idea about things ending was very prominent for me. I think in that time, and I think including a lot literally age, death. Yes. 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 <laughs> including death. Yeah. So it all of that was was a factor and i think people our age parents start to die uh the, the, that the the year we had last year with all the celebrities dying all of that i think has definitely brought death a bit more into the open um so i think it is a bit easier to talk about i talk to people in their 30s i find maybe they're not as open now this is a generalization there's exceptions to everything but just as a general rule i think um it's definitely a time in life i think so your observation there about the sort of the age i think there is something in that Mm. I've I've also been really curious, and I I'm interested in your thoughts about it. We may just not quite finish because it's almost time for a break. But uh, the impact of um, social media, because uh, at least the people I have on my Facebook and Twitter and everything are um, quite open about you know posting a picture on their. Uh, parents' death day, or there's much more um, access to other people's experience. Obviously, on a usually a little bit super of a superficial level, but but exposure uh, through that means. And I wonder if you think that impacts what we're talking about at all. Definitely, I, th- I think with social media, you know, it's it's it helps a lot with this subject. Now, as you mentioned, how deep are we going there? You know, how much do we, are we wanting to share that? You know, it's, I think we are still very shy about this topic, still. 
although as, as, as I feel as well in, intuitively, things are moving, things are moving. And there's lots of, you know, uh, people do, are, that are doing exactly the same as we are doing, just like you, Cheryl. So these deaf conversations are coming more and more, I believe. And social media will help for sure. It's time for our first break. Um, Maybe there's a little more to say about that when we get back. Um, So listeners, during the break, you can go to my website or my social media. The Good Grief page at Voice America has links to all of that. And please let me know what you think about the show. Uh, And sign up for my email list so you know who's coming to the show before it happens. To find Olivia and Keith, you can go to deathhangout.com. Be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Olivier Lavore and Keith Clark about their podcast, Death Hangout. And uh, before the break, Keith and Olivier, we were talking about the impact of kind of 
of social media, um, what people post about their losses. I was also thinking about all the blog type posts, mm-hmm. articles about loss that, uh, you know, I think I think Facebook or someone has figured out my logarithm that I'm interested in grief because um, <laughs> they, they pop up infinitely uh, many. But I'm guessing that you know people are even people who who don't specifically um, go after that type of article are probably seeing those things more than you know mm. they can't avoid it entirely. Uh, no, I would imagine. For sure. What do, what do you think, Keith, about that, the social media things? Uh, I, th- I think it's, um, again, it, it, it's like when we, we interviewed Sheldon Solomon, just the, yeah. the work he, he does on death denial. I think there's, there's, in some ways, it's a good thing because it brings death out into the open. But mm. something that we're particularly interested in, and it's sort of, it, 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 some of this comes from, from, talking to Sheldon and reading his work is that when people don't actually contemplate it so if they don't actually take a moment and think about it and 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 what it means then what it does it builds up this death denial thing so it's like we're we're constantly getting all these little reminders of death but we're we're almost suppressing it we're pushing it away so we're seeing it and it's like oh I don't want to hear any more about that that kind of way so in some ways it's good because it helps the conversation but in other ways if you look at the work of Sheldon Solomon it almost adds to the death denial a bit and people, it can make them retreat from it a bit faster. So I think it's, uh-huh. it's, it's potentially mixed in terms of the impact that it would have and the work that we're trying to do ironically mm-hmm. um, through, through social media and, and the internet. <laughs> so I think there's so a, there's a mix. It, 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 so in other words, uh, as I hear that, I, I haven't um, been exposed to his work too much, but uh if I hear what you're saying properly, uh, if someone is already has a little bit of an open place, then it might help because there's more talk about it, more yeah. Um, yeah. more access. But if, on the other hand, someone is very very fearful and avoidant, it will just send them in the other direction. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, br- brilliantly put, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think that's 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 true. Period. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of death deniers, for instance, get diagnosed with with cancer. Uh, that's an area I work in, and then they're kind of clobbered by not being able to avoid. Mm. Uh, you know, it's very. Uh, I've had people come to groups years and years and years after they've had successful treatment because they're still terrified. They never really faced up to um, a, a deeper realization that death happens, and yep. and they're yeah. they're still grappling, even though health wise they're okay. I think that 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 even feeds into it's what well, Olivia is especially interested in is the impact that it has on how we live our life. Right. Is even if, even if there isn't a health issue there, sort of the choices we make. So if we if we actually sit and contemplate and think about the fact that this is going to end, it's like some of the things we take very seriously we would see in a different light. Some of the things that we think we have time for later that are actually very important, we would look at that slightly differently. So I think that contemplation, that that being aware, that facing it, it's not about being consumed by it or being morbid or 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 uh, 
or, or scaring out scaring ourselves to death excuse the pun but it's <laughs> it's it, it, like it is it, it is a case of it, it can push us more in line with our values so what's really important here there is a limited amount of time it's not about panicking but it's recognizing that this this could end at any moment and it's about living a life that that we could say okay I'm, I'm focusing on the things that if i look back i'm not going to regret those i'm not going to the death denial thing sheldon solomon talks about it's how we we, we feel we we keep that denial at bay by by chasing things like uh like like uh money and and cars Pain. and status and filling <laughs> yeah. up f- filling up uh our lives with all this stuff and it's not to say that stuff in itself is bad it's, if you're doing all that and you've got a good, healthy sense of death, it's going to end. You put things in perspective, at least. So it's not saying those things are bad, but when they're used as a way to um, almost stave off fears and cognizance of our mortality, then that's when we can end up going off track. We can go away from our own values. We can end up chasing things that we think. What one day we wake up and go, "What the hell have I been doing for the last twenty years?" Yeah. If that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I imagine that that showed itself, you know, now you're both somewhat immersed, let's say, you know, uh, and and I get the impression um, wanting to go even further in that direction. You know, you're writing a book. I mean, it's becoming a centerpiece. Yes. So how does that affect your sense of your own lives? Um, Can can you um, have you noticed some things that are different? because you're contemplating and talking about death more. Oh, definitely. For me, you know, first of all, the first thing that I, that I did, for instance, is I quit my job, you know. <laughs> That's, that ah. was one of my... <laughs> because it is exactly what, what Keith, uh, Keith mentioned. It's, it's, about, it's about your values, you know. What, what makes you uh, thrive, really? What, what do you like about this life, you know? What makes you, you unique and, and, and want to do, really? So um, that opened me, you know, this acceptance of my, my mortality. Still, although I'm still very, I, I can be a little scared, be a little bit scared, I guess, as well. But it's this op- openness and acceptance for me is to find a little bit more compassion in me as well, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit less, being less serious, you know. I, I was, as you mentioned in the beginning, I was working in corporate. And in corporate, it's for 15 years for this big international company. It's really all about status. It's all about power sometimes. And, you know, having this, looking at death in our mortality, you just, you can laugh at yourself after that to say, oh, God, how serious I was, you know. That was like, just like spending so much time on this report or on this PowerPoint presentation, thinking that it will be like one of the, I don't know, like one of these wonder of the world. And it was just a, a PowerPoint presentation, really. It was nothing. But you, you, you become so attached to it. You become like a fool, really. So, yeah, it, you, you kind of awaken from these states, you know. If I, if I make myself clear. Sorry, I wasn't that clear with my explanation. But uh, Oh, yeah. I, I, I got you, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it's reminding me of someone who um, went back to the same work after cancer treatment, and yet um, felt totally different about it. Like, well, this isn't, you know, the end all and be all. I mean, it's good work and everything, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I don't have quite the, 
quite the drive about it that I used to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a thing I do, you know. Yeah, but exactly. being with my kid, now that's important <laughs> kind of, kind of exactly. thing. Yeah. Exactly. What about you, Keith? I think for me, I, I, I think Olivier said he was a little bit scared. I, I, have, I have moments where when, when I really think about it, it terrifies me. And that's being completely honest, but they they pass quite quickly. But it's like a it's it's almost like an electric shock with that realization, and almost the the inability to comprehend what not being here would be like. <laughs> it's like it's, it's an unknown. So it, yeah. it it puts me in a bit of a tailspin. But then, in between those moments, in terms of big decisions I would make about my life, I ask myself better questions than I used to. So it, rather than asking well, where would this decision take me? It's like, it, it's more of where does, what does this decision mean to me? It mm. just changes the perspective a little bit. Um, I'm more likely to to make a bit of time or force time in for, for people. Um, I see my business as, yes, it's important. Uh, I enjoy it. There's it's, it's I want to get better at it, but not at the expense of the other things that are important in life because it's, it's a, it is about... I don't want to talk about. I don't. I don't believe in a work-life balance thing, but it's it's a balance mm. of of where where my where my attention goes, where my time goes, because those are those are the really those are the really important things. And you, I think you're both um, perhaps. Uh, you didn't say it quite quite um, uh, directly, Olivier, but what I was hearing was that. Um, the, the sense of relationship and meaning has mm. become more prominent as you contemplate um, that that life doesn't last forever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I think is is you just realize it's 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 not about you really. You know, I have I have two kids, uh, two boys, and uh, I remember this this uh, corporate life of mine where I was traveling constantly constantly, non-stop, because for me it was, I guess, someone else's dream or some, you know, the, the, my education, the environment tells you that you need to have a job and you need to have money and all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, uh, I was kind of a stranger in my own home. I remember I was, I was living in Dubai and coming back from this uh, business trip and I could see my boy, like he was, I think he was eight, eight years old. And he was looking at me like I was a stranger, mm-hmm. almost. You know, it was just like there was no more connection, really, with that. And you just realized something, was, something wasn't right at this moment, you know. And by asking this question about what is the most important for you, finding back this, I guess, this love, this, this relationship, this love for people as well, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've quit this job to become a coach because I just realized that what I la- love to do is is support people. Right? I just like being with them and, and try to support them as much as I can. So that's that's for me this big this big reveal that it's you don't live the life of, of of somebody else. Yeah, it sounds like a cheesy Tony Robbins things to say. By the way, I'm sorry about that, but but. <laughs> It's important to 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 live your own life, you know. I, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm again. I'm very cheesy on this one, so forgive me. No. <laughs> no. Well, I was thinking about you know I'm in the post-war baby boom generation, and yep. uh, 
uh, nearly everyone in that generation would have described their families like you just did. Yeah, uh, yeah, my yeah. father wasn't really there. Um, he he came home exhausted and watched TV, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it has such a profound impact then on your conception of things, you know, when you're growing up. And and so the idea that a um, an awareness of death might um, click people into wait a minute, I'm I'm I want to be more here for that relationship that sounds wonderful to me as a you know, as a therapist particularly um, mm. because um, having present adults as much as they're able well nobody's present completely but uh, <laughs> having adults who think about that around you um, makes a big difference absolutely absolutely it, it, it just in terms of the 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 impact of the, the contemplating death that like you said earlier some people have these uh sometimes there's a catalyst there's a big thing that happens and for, you'll get you'll get a small number of people that it will fundamentally change as a result i think that's that's if if you like a, a perfect indicator of, of how powerful it can be the rest of the time it's we might have a, a realization that lasts for a little while but we we then get sucked back into our it's like a, a stretched elastic band we eventually we go back to our mm. habitual ways and thinking and we forget that little lesson that we learned in that moment whereas if it's something that we talk about more openly more regularly and it becomes more of the mainstream conversation then there's a there's an opportunity to actually keep that that learning and that lesson from from loss that happens the fact that it is going to happen to all of us the fact that it is an everyday thing loss and things ending that's never that's never going to change so it can help just keep it within our within our psyche so all those those lessons that people get after a bereavement or something sometimes where it's which is fleeting i think there's an opportunity to to make that more of a, a lifestyle learning rather than just a moment if that makes sense it does and uh you know that the um post-traumatic growth folks i don't know if you know about that research but um they would say that's actually a very common experience but it um it happens not from the event but from struggling with the event and that's what Mm. you're talking about you're talking about talking about it you know keeping it present in your mind um, and and huge catastrophic losses, um, you you don't have a choice sometimes, right? Mm. <laughs> They're yeah. so big that you just can't get around it, and mm. and that actually gives it a better percentage chance of of really changing you. Yeah. Um, this- <laughs> so I'm I'm on board with you, and I think that it is is actually more common than we think. But people keep their changes private because they don't want anyone to think that something good came out of this terrible, you know. There's, there's almost a, there's almost a guilt there, isn't there? There's yes. like it's uh, yeah. I think so, and also just don't want to be thought to be weird. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, don't. Um, you know, don't want their uh, pain. It doesn't take away the pain. They don't want people to think it didn't doesn't hurt. Uh, you know, there yeah. are all kinds of reasons. But um, hopefully, this conversation that that we're all engaged in opening up can help with that. We're going to yeah. go to the second break and come back to that when we when we return. 
And listeners, you can, once again, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief host page at Voice America. And to find Olivia and Keith, go to deathhangout.com. Back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Keith Clark and Olivier Lavore, and we've been talking about their show, Death Hangout, and their thoughts about um, facing up to death and um, uh, talking about it. And um, before the break, Olivier and Keith, we were we were talking a bit about this idea of post traumatic growth um, that that struggling with our traumas. They they. They broadly apply, apply it to trauma, but of course, loss is one of the most universal traumas we have, um, uh, death around us. And I think most major traumas um, bring up a contemplation of death in a way. So, um, 
I I guess I'm curious if you could talk about what the people who've joined you on Death Hangout have, uh, you know, you've created that to keep the conversation going, to widen Mm. the conversation for yourselves and for your listeners. Mm. What have you learned along the way? For me, it's something very (laughs) simple, but people that are willing to go on our show, they are kind and nice, you know, and I will try to explain myself. I I, I told you before that I had this other podcast uh, that I was running a couple of years ago, and it it was called the Raw Voices Podcast. And I try to get any kind of guest in the personal development area, so anybody, really. And I used to, to, to send about 20 to 30 emails to these guys in order to get one response, okay? So this, this is the kind of ratio. Most of the time, I didn't have any responses at all. I was just, like, dismissed. Here, we, what was, was really different and striking, when I was inviting these people to talk about death, I got immediate response. I never got any rejection <laughs> at all. Never. It's it's kind of just like what's happening here, you know. I was so used to just like keep emailing, emailing here, no. So there was this kind of openness, I guess, with all the guests that we had. It, they were just just so genuine, real, authentic with us, and we were able to laugh. We were able to to you know there were there were some touching moments as well. But this is what I've learned. All these people who are willing to look at death, there's something really different, like a bit more relaxed. And, and see, maybe death is good for that, really, getting more relaxed with that. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we can, <laughs> we can have like a, a pill or a slogan here. But no, it's really it was <laughs> something that I've learned, yeah. I, I, I Just to build on what Olivier just said, there's definitely, the, the guess if there's, there's there is a sense of calm about yeah. them. Uh, there's a real groundedness about how they look at life, how they have conversations. They, uh, they uh, again, this sounds a bit corny, but the, the people we talk to are in the moment. They're, they're, not, they're not worrying about what they say or who's listening. They're not trying to say the right thing. They're just, they're, they're just saying what, what comes up. There's, there's a flow to it. They're, as Olivia said, the humor that's there. None of these people take themselves too seriously, yet a lot of them are doing very serious work. Mm. And and some of them are are working in very difficult circumstances. Others um, are just loving what they do. They're passionate. They bring everything to it, but they they don't take themselves seriously. So as Livia said, maybe there's there's something there in that contemplation of death. And this feeds back to something you said, Cheryl, earlier about the PTSD is, is the people struggling with that. I think if you truly contemplate the death thing, you have that internal struggle. You have to go through a struggle. You have to mm. touch on the place that scares you a bit. <laughs> so mm. there's, there's, there's an element of courage that has to be built up to do it. And I think from that, going through that, I think where that's, sometimes that's where the calm comes from. There's an acceptance of the one thing we can't avoid. And I, th- I think that transfers then maybe to a day-to-day living and other, other things that might crop up along the way. Mm. That's that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, it it uh, brought to mind for me. Um, I was I was, believe it or not, horribly horribly shy as a younger person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be the person to come before the party started and leave as soon as people arrived kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once I face death, I'm like, well, how big a deal is that, really? I mean, something changed inside of me. I just couldn't maintain it. Uh, mm. The other thing that came to my mind was, and plus people were in and out of my house helping us take care of things for, you know, eight or ten years. <laughs> that changed me, too. But um, And the other thing is I, I could not tell a joke before that period in my life. No I was... I was um, I actually was noted as an as an unfunny person, uh, and and it completely changed. Um, uh, you know, I can I can make people laugh now. Uh, I'm thought to be funny, so these kind of dramatic things you think are part of your personality, but actually they're part of of facing up to the reality of living. Mm. That it's it's got. It's got losses involved. It's got, you know, very little scares me anymore to any large degree. And and when I get scared, it's momentary, as you described, Keith. Yeah. Is it, is it, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on Olivia. No, I, I was just like, it's very interesting. See, like something good can happen by contemplating something which is very difficult, you know, this, this dark thing. And it's, it's, that's what's interesting me, you know. Uh, what you see sometimes on Facebook, on social media, you have these very motivational uh, short videos that tells you, and you see someone uh, on a mountain or like swimming and, you know, you have this kind of, yeah, go, go on, go on, you know. Only the positive, only the positive. Mm. And to me, this is something Something is lacking here, you know. It cannot be all positive like this. If you're not able to look at this, at this, I don't know. I don't know if it's dark, really, but this difficult thing, our mortality. I don't think that you can go there. You cannot be happy as much, or you cannot change as you change as well, Cheryl. I don't know. That's but what. But this is what came to me. Completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because. Our, our emotional self sort of lives in the same place. Shut one down and the other shut down a little bit too. Mm. Yeah, we yeah. can't cherry pick. We can't. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much not. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can't Darn, close. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to close this door. No, there's only, there's only one door. <laughs> so that resonates with you too, huh, Keith? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, and this is the thing. It's, it's the whole, um, Again, and it's not knocking the positive positive aspect of things because that's just as important. But yeah. it's 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 like it's trying to only look at life without death. It's the yeah. same thing as trying to only look at positive without the negative because it's going to happen. Everything that is it's nature is is cyclical. Things begin, they end. Things go wrong. Bad things happen. That's as much a part of the cycle as possible. And when you can sort of accept that to a degree, it's much easier then to build resilience and be prepared for these things when they happen. And then you can use the positive aspect to help you get you through it and get over it. But the positive stuff is no good on its own if you, you're not prepared for, for when, when the bad stuff happens. And it's the same with, with the death. It's trying to live your life without having any cognizance of death at all. Is it, it, You're missing out on, on vital information. 
almost kind of, you know, it makes me thinking about something, you know, we all hear about these environmental issues, you know, climate change and all this, which are huge issues at the moment, you know, and uh, I I believe two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you have about 15,000 scientists uh, about from 183 countries warning us to say, well, we need to change things because it will end up very badly if we don't do something about it. And and somehow most of us, and I'm including myself on this, we don't want to look at this because it looks very, very scary, you know. So it's almost the same thing if we don't acknowledge what is happening, if we don't accept this thing, you know. But yes, there's a chance if we don't do something, you know, bad things will happen, you know. So it's this willingness to look at that, you know, even if it's terrifying, you know. So I I make this parallel as well. And there's not looking at something you know to be true, and then there's denying it's it's true. Uh, Going that far, which, of course, is a big, uh, big thing going on in my country right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, for sure. <laughs> Don't want to get too you. political, but, you know, <laughs> all those hundreds of scientists, well, pretty much 99% of scientists everywhere uh, agree on something, and it's being um, seen as, uh, or at least talked about as if it's not true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty, um, a pretty high level of denial, yes? Absolutely. So, I. You know, I, I read somewhere on your website, you, you're connecting those things. And that uh, really resonated with me that kind of if you're trying to deny, deny death, there's going to be a greater likelihood you're going to deny a bunch of other stuff that Absolutely. is threatening or scary. Um, so I, I agree with you on that. Mm. And that's the, the death, death's the great leveler. It puts everything in perspective. So if you can accept that, I think that's a good point, Cheryl, that it's it's... When we when we deny some of the critical stuff, it's an indicator that we're 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 taking an easy we're trying or attempting to take an easy path, even if that is futile. But it's it's an attempt to avoid the inevitable, which means we don't we don't uh, build the skills to 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 deal with it, to to be ready for it, to overcome it, whatever it may be in our life. So it's it's definitely it's it's an indicator of of uh, denial in one area is, it, I think it's a propensity to, to, to deny a number of things. Which, which uh, I guess, one big outgrowth of that is having a much less joyful personal experience and society in general. Um, mm. Certainly yeah. lots of lots of indicators that <laughs> there's, there's that struggle going on. I don't know as much about it uh, where, where you are in your countries, but I'm pretty obviously intimately in, exposed to what's going on here. Mm. And, and how do you live that, you know, here in, in, in your country? How does it, you know, because there's lots of denial in your country. So how is it, how do you see that, you know, for? You know, I uh, live in Oakland, California. Mm. Not that there isn't denial here, but there's, it's kind of a bubble Mm. Uh, okay. You know, there's there's like two therapists tr- per citizen, practically. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's a a greater engine, and I don't want to overplay this, but there's there's quite a bit of um, 
um, passion for facing facts and, you know, um, politically and, and, and culturally and individually. Um, so that helps me individually. Mm. Um, but I think I talk to people all over the country and, um, it's, it's just a disturbing time. You know, it's, it's hard to keep your eyes open and it's hard to keep your energy up because, uh, it's numerous public things a day. And of course I'm, I'm in a family that, um, is comprised of, um, it's a very diverse family, lots of people of color and, um, including my wife and child. And so, um, I, a lot of the things that are, that are, um, being talked about now are not new. It's kind of like death. Right. Yeah, right. you know, it's been happening the whole time. But the the weight of how much the the weight of the assaults is so frequent and daily that mm. I think people have some fatigue. That's mm. that's what I would yeah. say. Um, mm. And you know, uh, that's a that's an interesting way for us to. We're we're almost out of time. Interesting mm. way to end the show. <laughs> We got your podcast, you know, grief, fatigue, and the pa- and the state of the world. <laughs> like, 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 we're dep- very depressing. Let's go there, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same subject, isn't it? Kind of facing up to what's hard to face up to. But and- it's exactly that. It's exactly what you just described. Is we cannot just, you know, we started on a high note, but there's life is is all this range, all this range of emotions. So there's laughter and there's sadness and there's difficulties and there's joy. And that's life, you know, and that's to me the most, when we talk about death on our podcast, we don't talk about death always. We talk about life, we talk about families, we talk about different subjects. And that's, and that's what makes it interesting. For me, we don't, we welcome everything, you know. We it's welcome all in everything. the mix. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, I've really, really enjoyed our talk today. Maybe you'll come back when your book comes out and we'll talk about that because we didn't quite get to it today, but um, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what you write about all of this, um, sure. having listened to you know, what you do with your podcast. So I want to thank you very much for, for being here. Thank you. Thank it's you, been a pleasure. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah. And. Thank you, listeners, also for being with us today. Next week, I'll have Michelle Steinke Baumgard. Her book, Healthy Healing, A Guide to Working Out Grief Using the Power of Exercise and Endorphin, shares what she learned following the death of her husband when she was 36 about the power of exercise and and self-care in living with grief. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.